From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly. I got to say, love the name Max. That's my my puppy dog's (laughs) name. Uh, Who have just recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. It actually makes learning pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I listened to this with my son, and it was so fun to listen to. I loved how modern it was with a cool ant that they really dug, and like they dealt with bullies. Uh, My son also enjoyed all the math involved. Like He thought it was really cool. Well, and I have to say, I love anything that brings learning and fun together for kids. I really, really wish that something like this was around for my teens when they were younger. We would have absolutely devoured this on our car trips. It would have been amazing. It's perfect for kids ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my coffee-loving co-host, coffee-loving co-host, Brie Tucker. I was looking at your shirt, actually. I was like, social distortion co-host? I think I've used that before. I, I think you have. I think I have used yes, that before. Yes, we talked about my, my punk roots, and then I feel like a, a traitor because there was a punk show this coming this weekend, and I yeah. did not go. You didn't go? Mm-mm. No? Is it too soon? Too soon to go? No, it's too hot. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and Brie's like financial whatever you want to call it part came out and like the all the cheap tickets were gone and I was going to pay 100 bucks to sit outside in Arizona 100 plus heat and I was like uh, and that wouldn't have been a fun memory no 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 you had to pay a hundred dollars just to use like the bathrooms at this concert I'm like no it was really nice though outside this weekend for May in Arizona it was very nice yeah but I, I understand it's so funny I was listening to actually armchair expert and they were talking about how spending money like on certain things brings more happiness than on other things. Like you think that upgrading your life, like say like buying a car or buying like a physical object will make you happier. But the happiness like recedes after a little bit and then you're back to the same level of happiness you were before. However, splurging on an experience or a vacation, they found that the happiness stays with you because you have the memories of that event. So what I'm hearing is the Beatles were right. Money can't buy you love. Money. Well, (laughs) it's about what you spend your money on. It's like physical items can't bring you happiness, but events and experiences can. Yes. And I do agree with that. Like we had a podcast episode with Nicole Rule Mm -hmm. back when we first launched. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's coming up on a year soon. I know. That's crazy. August 2021 (laughs) will be a year, people. Um, But Nicole talked about that. And I remember her saying like, you know, you need to find what you're passionate about. And then that's when your budget isn't so painful. Yeah. So because you spend money on where your priorities are. Right. And I agree with that. Like I have a lot of anxiety about spending money. You know that. Mm -hmm. I just I stress over too much stuff. But I do find that I'm more, I'm like, I have a big splurge coming up, right? Remember yes. we, we planned a vacation this mm-hmm. summer and I was so nervous about spending money on it. But as it's getting closer, I'm like getting so excited for spending all that money on going somewhere and having that experience with my kids, my family, rather than could I use a new car? I certainly could. Yeah. But I'd be much happier this way. I am yes. happier. I'm excited about this. Yes vacations bring happiness like you guys have some great vacations in your family you've had some great experiences we even have 
And I always like look back on them and I have happy memories of like every time, even when we went to New York and we were like in New York and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so expensive. I have the best memories from New York. And it's where those, th- like one of those things where, yeah, it was expensive. And, and my frugal loving week. soul was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel so guilty for spending the money. But I think like that is one of my most memorable vacations ever. Because we saw like two Broadway shows and like stayed in Times Square and it was just amazing. Right. So. And those are the kinds of things, I, I don't know. But I, I mean, everybody's different and that's totally great. Whatever it is that, that gets you excited and going. But I have personally found that as I have gotten older, again, reflecting back, mm-hmm. my bigger happy memories are places, experiences, rather than, wasn't that so awesome when we got XYZ? Yeah. Like, yeah. So if you're feeling guilty right now about spending money on a vacation, thinking that you should really be investing your money in like a new car or a new vehicle, if your old one is okay, I would say go for the vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not being irresponsible or anything. Like we were, I was considering actually getting a new car just because it's just, it's getting a little up there in miles and things are starting not to work anymore. And like I keep cars forever forever and ever and ever. My whole family does. My sister actually just got a new car because her old car was at 260,000 miles. <laughs> and she was actually mad she had to get a new car because she was like, I really wanted to get to 300,000. And I mean, that's just the way our family thinks about cars. But she had to get one because it de-accelerated on the freeway on her. Like she didn't feel safe driving the vehicle anymore. That, but, that would be a good point. Good reason. Yeah. But reason. I was I was thinking, I'm like, oh, should I get a new car? And then I'm like no it like the happiness will fade yeah after a little bit and then where are you you're back where you started it reminds me of a a few years ago I forget what popped up I think I had to get an oil change or something Mm -hmm. and my daughter was like why pay to get an oil change why don't you just get a new car and I was like (laughs) yeah yeah it'd be nice if life worked that way but cars are a little more expensive than a hamburger honey (laughs) it's a little more work to get a new car than just get an oil change like there's a lot of work that goes into that one good lord yes Mm. So like uh, if vacations are on your mind for the summer and maybe you don't have anything else planned and you're you're worrying a little bit, guess what? We're going to talk about how it's not your job to entertain your kids this summer. I know, right? Like that is something that we all think about. Like I think so many moms, we get stuck in that rut that it is our job to plan the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go into some reasons why (laughs) not planning your kids summer is actually the best thing you can do for them. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bri, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like streetcar tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me nothing at all and it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing and active (laughs) skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid when applied to the skin the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse soothe irritation reduce inflammation and support healing i've used it on my son's mosquito bites and i wish i would have had it the time i totally scraped up my hands Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always 
always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Hey all, it is Joanne and Bree here and we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. This episode is brought to you by the Happy Parent Checklist. Guys, if you're feeling overwhelmed with all the things you have to do as a parent and you're looking for that relief, come and download our Happy Parent Checklist. It's going to walk you through our five-step system on how you can start delegating more work to the rest of your family so you don't have to do it all on your own. You can get it at noguiltmom.com backslash HPC. And now on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. I'm seeing so many posts on Instagram right now where people are talking about summer plans. And there's all this advice like, how do you plan your kid's summer and what do you do? And this episode is airing like you're probably either a few weeks into summer or you're just going to start summer if you're on the East Coast and you have schools that let out mid-June. Yeah, you're not you're not a West Coaster like us that have the year-round school. The year-round <laughs> school lets out uh, like at the end of May, but... It starts in July. There's a lot. Yeah, it starts in... It's pretty awesome, guys. You should all do that here. <laughs> it's interesting. We'll say that. But 
there's a lot of stress about planning kids summer and it becomes this overcomplicated process that I see a lot of moms put themselves through. So I have two issues with this. First of all, where did it get written down that it was my responsibility as mom to figure out what my kids are doing during the summer? Yeah. And, and I'm just saying like across the board, this should not fall on the hands of mom simply because our name is mom. Yeah. Even if you're a stay-at-home mom, you're a work-from-home mom, you're back to working in the office because this is post-pandemic summer, so this is going to be interesting, right? This is an interesting summer for everybody. This is like the roaring 20s of summers. It's like, oh, we could go out. Let's but go I mean, party. But also, like, it's yeah. not a typical summer. Like, every, last year wasn't a typical summer, no. but this is definitely not a typical summer because <sighs> some of us are trying to get back into a typical summer, and some places aren't back there yet, but... Anyways, my point is just because my name is mom doesn't mean that I should be responsible for figuring everything out for my kids. No. So it'd be nice if there was some, you know, equality in this, like where it was like just as much dad as mom. But but that's not even what this episode's about, people. So I'm going to get off that stove. It's really interesting because, I mean, how I was raised is that my dad was a teacher, so he was home during the summers and my mom still worked a full time job. So my mom didn't plan our summers, nor was she expected to. My dad didn't plan my summers either he's like well I'm gonna work on this at home you're gonna find something to do (laughs) and that's how it went like I had swim team during the summer that I went to in the morning but then I found my own fun and I never expected my parents to entertain me well see and I think it was kind of similar for me but not exactly the same like both my parents worked so they weren't home Mm -hmm. during the summers I, I was the youngest of three so I had my two older sisters home when when they weren't working because again like there was a pretty big age gap there so yeah I was on my own like Mm -hmm. the only rule I had was that I had to be quiet in the house where they were still sleeping once they got up around lunchtime I could get a little louder and as long as they knew where I was I could go wherever I wanted so I could go see my friends whatever and we again like you just said we found our own fun yes we did our own things I think we all as parents can agree like That is not the norm these days. It's not because if you look on Instagram, you see a lot of people bringing out their calendars Mm -hmm. and planning like this jam-packed summer and trying to work out how they're going to get like Susie to soccer practice and Billy to swim team. I like the name Susie and Billy. It's like very like (laughs) 1950s. But (laughs) like these complicated summer schedules that are just not fun. Or just trying to fill the time because you want to have that picturesque family summer, right? Where like everyone's happy and like we're making popsicles and and the kids are getting along and all that fun. But I also feel like there's some fear there. There's Mm -hmm. some fear that if kids are left to their own devices, they're only going to get into trouble. Like your house is going to end up looking like that scene from I'm thinking Toy Story or they're going to spend everywhere they're going to spend so much time on screens that their brains are going to turn to mush and then they'll come into the next school year and they'll be unmotivated and surly oh surly is a good word too surly and like there's a lot of fear there and I think that the fear kind of takes over when we see these huge summer plans and the feeling like we have to control it control it to, to, to make sure and, it doesn't happen right and and when I say control it I don't mean it in a negative term necessarily I mean I think mm-hmm. it has negative effects on us as parents on our psyche but I will say we try to control it because we're just trying to limit the craziness and especially I think a lot of us have a lot of guilt about the screen time so I highly encourage you if you haven't heard 
our podcast episode from last week where we talk about limiting screen time. Mm-hmm. That's what I would highly suggest uh, listening to because don't let yourself fall into that guilt trap. Don't fall don't. into the guilt trap so with this, the screen time. And no. then this episode is about don't let yourself fall into that guilt trap that it is all your job because we have facts behind this, people. Yes. So we found some benefits to actually letting your kids be bored. It is such a good thing uh, for parents to do. And I know that one thing that you may feel right now where we tell you you should let your kids be bored is your kids are going to complain. Your kids are going to bother you every second. They're going to fight. They're going to fight. They're They're going to tear up your house. They're going to spend like all their time looking on YouTube videos and watching unboxings. (laughs) Or playing video games nonstop and then trying to recreate the video games in the middle of your living room. Yeah. And some of that, you know what? Some of that may happen. Is it all bad? No, it's not all bad. It's kind of like what we we think. We think it's bad. Like we think that we're failing our kids when they spend so much time on electronics. But in actuality, all of these things that we see them doing when they're bored, they just become really great discussion topics for later. They do. They're all great learning opportunities. Mm -hmm. So it's important to let them be bored. It's actually really good. And so Joanne was researching this recently, and she found a really great article from Psychology Today. Yeah, we found we did a coaching session for our balance membership group, and uh, we found five benefits to being bored. Yes. And these are all things that I think if you listen, you're going to want your kids to have these skills. Yes. So, Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not 
my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Number one is boredom can improve our mental health. It totally can improve our mental health. That's interesting because I would think boredom would be a negative. So No. So like your brain doesn't want to constantly be on the go. It goes a little crazy when it's on the go or going from thing to thing to thing. Like you actually need processing time between events to first help you act creatively and think creatively. If you don't have those breaks, like there is no spots for creativity to come out. There's none. Because your brain needs, I think it's called, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting this name now, but we had a great interview with the author of Rest, who will put the interview in the show notes. Yes, Dr. Alex Sujung Kimpong. Yes, I was going to say Yes, but he talks about how rest is actually the key to greater productivity and greater creativity because it's the, oh, I'm, I'm getting it now. I think it's the reticular activating system. It goes into effect when your brain is doing nothing. And so like your brain is actually processing in the background and that's when like these huge inspirations come out. And it's interesting because in his book, he talks a lot about some of the most creative and influential people in history mm-hmm. highly practiced having these times of rest mm-hmm. and or what could be seen as as what I think that in our modern day and age we would call boredom. But yeah. really, it wasn't back then. It was seen as well, at that time it was kind of seen more as rest. But I really like this point because I'm thinking back to we've all had those days where we feel like our brain is oozing out of our ears. Mm-hmm. Like you just had too much to process. Yes. For me, that tends to happen like when I go to like a really intense training or workshop, something that's like an eight hour training with like two bathroom breaks during the day and we eat our lunch while we're still learning. Like, oh, yeah. Those are the days where you just come home and you're like, blah, blah, blah. those are the days where I'm like, <laughs> I need a margarita. <laughs> I'm like, I can't even put together a, a coherent thought if I tried. But so to get that like, improvement to mental health for kids to actually be bored like this is where you can set the limits on screen time and this is the conversation that I have with my kids regarding screen time that it's good for brain health if we limit screen time and instead let them be bored and find other things to do right and I'm sure they love that they hate it They But that doesn't hate mean it. it's not good for them. Yeah, it doesn't. You know what? A lot of things that you do as a parent, your kids will hate. They'll hate. Yeah. But you I know it's funny too? They, they kind of get over whining about it and being mad about it after a while. They do. And then they start telling their friends why they should do something like that. Like, Ooh. because they see the reasoning behind it. It's not just a rule that comes down out of fear. It's a, hey, this is how like brain science works and your brain needs a break. So this is why we have to limit electronic devices. And this is why I limit electronic devices on myself too. Right. So that's an important thing to kind of remember for everybody. Yeah. So we started with reason number one, that boredom can improve your mental health. And we kind of already went into reason number two, which is that... Creativity! Yes, boredom can increase your creativity. And I think that we all can say that. Like, I think Mm -hmm. as, as adults, it's a lot easier for us to reflect on how we get creative when we're bored. Yeah. And creativity could be a million things. It could be cleaning out your closet. Mm -hmm. It could be writing in a journal. It could be like creating a huge new project. Yeah. Like you just get ideas. 
<laughs> right. And those ideas don't happen if your brain is constantly busy and thinking of the next thing that you have to do. You need that space. You need that time. And kids need that space and time as well. Actually, if I was to reflect back on the times that my kids are the most bored, that is probably when I've seen some pretty amazing things come out of them. Mm -hmm. And I will say this, like reflecting back on things, my kids come up with way more interesting things to do with their downtime during the summer than they do during the winter. And and what I say that is that just because of summer break, obviously, right? And it's also just interesting how that kind of works because... The things that I see during the summer, they'll make little mini movies together. Mm -hmm. My son will start coding. My daughter will start coming up with like making more crafts and arts and and reaching out and and coming up with things like that. Whereas during the school year, winter-esque, there's not a lot of that happening. No, I mean, and that brings us to number three, how it motivates a search for novelty when you're bored. You need to go and find those new things that are going to keep you occupied because you have nothing to do. Right. And all of a sudden, watching Netflix for the 10th hour is actually even boring. Yeah. Right? Like, we've all been there. We've all OD'd on something. Oh, oh yeah. Definitely. (laughs) I feel like I need the novelty all the time. Like, some brains just need novelty. I mean, we call it shiny object syndrome. And Brie, you and I both have it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't sit too long with anything. I'm always, like, bouncing around looking at stuff. Like, it's just too much. It's funny, like, because my daughter has actually made fun of me a little bit this weekend because we were in downtown Chandler. And in downtown Chandler, they just built up, like, this big parking garage and all these new buildings. Well, right in the center of, like, the new buildings, there's this building with no windows. And it's rather big. And I'm like, what is that building? It's like a spy building or something. <laughs> like, I was telling her all about this building. And then we walked past a car that I had recognized seeing on the road. And I had not finished my sentence. Like, literally, it sounded like this. Oh, my gosh. What do you think those tiles are? You think the tile? Oh, I've seen that car before. <laughs> <laughs> and my daughter's like, wow. <laughs> What did you just do? She just looks at you, mom. I just, I can't, I can't even. But it's shiny object syndrome. It's that search for novelty and being always on the lookout for novelty. Or in that case, it was like thinking about novelty and then seeing familiarity. And then, anyways, we could have long discussions <laughs> on that. <laughs> I think I got there through shiny object syndrome, which is. And okay, so here's one thing that's going to happen with the novelty, right? Yeah. So kids are looking. So again, we're focusing mainly this on our kids. It works mm-hmm. for us too, but still. So like if you're letting your kids be bored and it's motivating them to search for novelty, could that novelty lead towards picking on each other? Oh, yeah, totally. Because they're bored. They will right. totally pick on each other and prank on each other. And is that the worst thing in the world? No way. No. no. I know that sounds terrible to say. Now, I, I will say this. If there are breaking bones and blood, then yes, that's not the best thing. Yeah. But there's levels to intervene before it gets to that point for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But them annoying each other and doing things like that, like, for the most part, that's part of, like, that's okay. Actually, yeah. Have... Relationship building. It is. Like, <laughs> I hate to say it, but it's true. My kids have learned so much about what really annoys the other sibling just by testing it and yeah. seeing what happens. And they learn how to use that for good and not for evil. They do. It does happen. I'm not saying evil doesn't pop through. It does. I've seen it in my kids. I mean, my daughter would annoy my son some way. My son would annoy my daughter. They would do it multiple times going on for like a few months. And then all of a sudden it clicks and be like, he doesn't like that. (laughs) I'm like, yeah. Yeah. No, he doesn't like that. (laughs) And you're thinking that in your mind. But they need to experience that. They need to have the other person 
say that that is not a good thing to do to them and that like they don't like it when they leave them out or they don't like it when they force them to do things they don't want to do. They need that repeatedly from the sibling to actually stop. Yeah. And you know what else? That's a really great opportunity to practice relationship skills. Mm-hmm. So like, and it, like you were just saying, learning where boundaries are with other people, learning what they can and can't do, learning how to tell people about your own boundaries. Yes. It's a really, really great experience so that they can use those with friends and potential partners in the future. Mm-hmm. Like the more opportunity they get to practice that kind of stuff in a safe environment with their own siblings, the better that they can move forward. Yeah. So yeah, that's a huge one. So it's a huge one. So we have three. What's number four? Boredom motivates the pursuit of new goals. Ooh, it tells us that we're not happy with what we're doing necessarily. Yeah, if you're bored, that's a huge signal that I need to make some changes. Not, right. Not like mom should plan me more things to do. That's not the first thing. Exactly. No, I need to make some changes. I need to figure out what makes me happy. Because there have been times in my life where I, I've been totally bored. And I'm like, why am I so bored? Why isn't anyone calling me? Why don't I have any friends? Why aren't they doing this or that? And it took some time before I realized that, you know what? If I'm unhappy, I need to take the steps to make myself happy. Exactly. And you know, that's huge for your kids because Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure none of us plan on being around our kids 24-7 for the rest of their lives. I mean, quite honestly, I would like my kid to eventually move out and have a life of their own. Yes, I'd like them nearby, but not, yeah, not in the same house. Yeah, they don't have to go too far. No, not living in a van down by the river, but they don't have to go too far away. But they do, they do have to grow up and figure out how to do things on their own. And they have to learn how to find that happiness in themselves. Yeah. And they have to know to have that confidence to try new things in themselves. Right. And it's important too, that they do understand that you can find your own happiness. You can't depend on other people to do that for you. No. So like I do that a lot. Like when my kids come to me and it's and it's honestly mainly my daughter that does that. She'll be a lot of like, I'm bored. Mom, I'm so bored. And I'll go, that's really rough. And she'll be like, can't you think of something for us to do? And I'm like, yeah, not my job. Not my, Yeah, no. Yeah, I love you. That's my job. I, my, my job is to love you, but not to make you happy 24-7. I used to say I'm bored to my dad. My dad used to say, that makes sense. You're a boring person. Oh, And he meant it ouch. as a joke. He totally <laughs> meant it as a joke. But that sounds like a dad thing to I say. I always <laughs> think of that. I'm like, oh my gosh, dad, like why? But he was right in some extent because if you're bored all the time, then maybe what you're doing is boring and you need to change that. So I actually have a little a little tip for this. And I think we both have a tip for this. So have your kids make a brainstorming list of things that sound fun to them. Mm-hmm. And keep that list posted somewhere that they can go to. Now, I'm not saying everything on that list is going to be possible. Like they might write on that list going to the park and your kid is five and they can't go to the park without you taking them. Or they'll be like, go to Disneyland. You'll be like, no. (sighs) Yeah, I know. I know. Like for the longest time, Legoland was always at the top of my son's list of things he wanted to do for the summer. And I'm like, you realize that involves like a plane trip and a hotel. That's not like going down the street. So some of those things are going to involve you, but that doesn't mean that you had to plan it. That doesn't mean that you had to come up with everything. And that also does not mean you have to do the stop and drop. No, don't do the stop and drop. Don't stop everything and take your kids somewhere just because they thought of an idea that they want to do or an art project they want to do that they need supplies for right now at that exact second. Yeah, they're going to need to find something else. 
Yeah. That's when you can tell them like, that sounds like a great idea. Let's plan it. And then like you give them a time on when you can do it, like when it works within your schedule. Mm -hmm. That sounds great. Let's do it on Saturday. How about you plan, you know, when we're going to go or what are we going to do when we go to the park? Are we going to have a picnic? It also teaches them planning. (laughs) Yeah. And how not to be stop and drop themselves. Exactly. So it's all good. That brings us to number five, which I found like when I saw this one, I was like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense, but I would have never thought about like it. Like a mic drop moment. Then. Like a mic drop. Okay. It's boredom helps with self-control, hmm. which you're like, what? Why? Well, if you, if I think back to my time as a teacher, a lot of the kids in there who typically like had to go to the office or go to think time, it happened in moments when the class wasn't actively participating in something, when they had to do something on their own. Understandable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they got bored, when they got bored, they would create trouble. And the reason is, is because they probably weren't used to being bored and having that self-control practice of what to do with yourself when you're bored. Oh, so it was just a matter of them not having had a chance to practice that skill Mm -hmm. of regulating themselves Mm -hmm. with that emotion of, I know when I get bored, I would say restless. Is yeah. a feeling I get a lot. Definitely. And you have to figure out what to do with that restlessness. And a lot of the thinking around boredom is like that restlessness is bad and we should prevent that in kids at all costs. No. We, we can't should, do that though. We should give them more opportunity to experience it so they like make those coping mechanisms to deal with it. And they get to practice it. Hello. Just like what we were saying earlier with relationships. They yeah. have to practice a skill to get better at it. Yeah. They're not going to magically move out of the house and be like, oh, you turned 18, you have all the skills necessary to succeed in life. <laughs> Even though you never got to practice them because I I did everything for you. Yeah. <laughs> so giving our kids time to practice this boredom and talking to them about boredom too is huge because once they realize the reason you're letting them be bored, um, and you could just share some of the things we shared with you here, that it's good to be bored. You're not always going to have someone plan stuff for you and you really need to figure this out on what you're going to do. And you know what another great thing about that we can do as parents to help our kids with being bored? Hmm. Tell them about times that we're bored and how we walk or talk through it. Like, I mean, even over the weekend. Okay, so over the weekend, I hurt my back because I'm I'm getting old, I'm learning. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Bree's body can't quite jump around like it used to. And I hurt my back. And so I was in bed and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so bored because I can't really move and do anything. And I had to come up with things to do. And so like later that day, my daughter was like, I'm bored. There's nothing to do. And I was like, you know, I had that happen to me when I was laying in bed. You know how I called you? And I did. I even called her. I called her from my bedroom, which is just down the hall. And like FaceTime my daughter. I'm like, I'm bored. (laughs) She, She did it back to me. Mom, it's not my job to keep you company. I'm like, Okay, but still, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> and then eventually I, li- I was like, I'm going to go read. I like how she automatically responds with the line that you've yes. told her multiple times. Yes. It's not my job to keep you company. Right? That shows really strong boundaries on her part, too. Yes, and it shows that, oh my gosh, even when she's rolling her eyes, she does listen to me. Yes. Oh my Lord. Yes, and you're going to find this, too, when you start using this boredom tactics instead of feeling like you need to plan all the things. Start talking about boredom and why it's a good thing to be bored. And you're going to see your kids start to be a lot more creative. Yes. And really, really great benefits come out of it. So until next time, remember, the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll see you later. And thanks for stopping by. 
comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.